Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. We are starting an Easter series today, and as I was thinking about Easter, um, it's obviously a significant piece of uh, our entire lives as believers, and uh, I was reflecting on, uh, the, as you read the gospel stories, as you read about the first believers, the first followers of Jesus, you know, um, I don't know that they really would have understood the breadth of what happened that first Easter. It got me reflecting on those things that happen in our lives that kind of mark us that we don't really understand the, the long-term ramifications of those things. And so um, Penny and I are currently doing the Alpha, uh, the Alpha Marriage course, and it's really good. And this is not the bit where I explain all the things I've done wrong. This is the bit where I talk about a really cool story that happened on the way through, so you're safe. Sweetie, yeah. uh, um, one, of the, one of the sessions that said, share a memory with your partner that they wouldn't know yet. And I'm like, okay, we've been together for like 28 years. We've been married for 23, 24 years. I'm like... I don't even remember what happened before that. It's so long ago. And as was, we got a, yeah, a half an hour to discuss this. And I'm like, oh, no, okay. And popped into my head, I hadn't thought about it in, prob- in decades, was me sitting at the river stage at Expo 88, yeah, as a grade seven kid, 12 years old, watching live bands. Sitting there with my family, watching all these amazing acts, these artists come and play, and, and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, that sounds just like what we listen to on the radio, but I'm watching them do it. Like, oh my goodness, you can do that? Like, they're all pretty, mostly normal-looking people. I mean, Ice House played, so if you remember Ivor Davies, he wasn't normal-looking, but apart from that, they're like, they're just people doing that. And, and I didn't, as I look back on my life, you know, some you know, 35 years later... That's actually really impacted me, and it's actually played out a whole lot. I, I love seeing live music. I love music, and it's actually influenced now my children, who are really obsessed with live music and playing music. And it's amazing just those little things that we don't even realize that touch our lives and change the trajectory of what the future might look like for us. We all have those things. Some of them are simple, little things like that. Some of them are actually really significant moments of impact that have marked us and shifted the way that our lives will be expressed for, for the rest of our natural lives. Maybe it's a, a moment of celebration. Maybe it was that, that degree you finished in when you graduated from university or from high school. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a personal tragedy. Maybe it was a natural disaster. Maybe um, something as you look back some years later, go, wow, that actually shifted how my life has gone. As I think about that first Easter, you think of those followers of Jesus, John and, and Mary and Simon the Zealot and all of these, these people. I don't know that they had any grid for what happened on that first Easter. Their teacher, the one they followed who did amazing things, He's here, now he's dead, now he's back again, I think, then he left again. What does this mean? And and those who followed after them spent the next few centuries and now 2,000 years later kind of wrestling with what did that mean? What was this all about? And I sense that there's a lot that happens that seems simple and small, but as we start to journey it out, it actually makes 
a huge difference that in the moment we don't really understand the significance. And then as we stand here some 2,000 years later, looking at the events of that very first Easter, the, the events that would take Jesus to the cross and cause him to be laid in a tomb, and then three days later the tomb is empty, the stone's rolled away, and he's, he's gone from there and he appears alive again to his followers. Well, as we journey that, we get to look at it in hindsight. Because I can imagine them on that first Easter Sunday morning going, what has happened? I feel like we should understand this. I feel like we should know what's going on because he, he talks so much about all of these things and, and then they start to journey and start to make sense of us. We have the benefit of hindsight, but we can look at it. And I think as we start to capture the heart of those first followers of Jesus as they walked the way of the cross, it starts to open up something in our lives with the wonder and the power and the beauty of Jesus and his mission into this world. Because on a surface level, what seemed like a pretty insignificant event, on a, on a Friday morning on a little rocky outcrop outside a provincial town on the fringe of the Roman Empire, a local seditious leader with a couple of hundred followers who kind of preached this weird message of love and a message of a kingdom that wasn't about destroying but building up. Well, he got to be too much, and so the Roman Empire killed him, put him on a cross. It happened a lot. But on that Friday morning, everything changed. The entire world changed, and history would be forever shifted because of what is seemingly a small event in the grand scheme of things, but everything changed. So then a pretty unruly bunch of unorthodox followers start to work out, well, what does this mean? And how does this change how we live? And, and, and now that we feel his power and his presence with us, that changes what we do with our time, with our effort. And suddenly this journey of wonder and joy and hardship and suffering and celebration and ultimately supernatural fruitfulness begins. And that's why we're here today. That's the journey of the cross. And so the next five weeks, we're going to walk towards Easter. We're going to follow in the way of the cross. We're going to hopefully see Easter through some different lenses this year. And I pray that we let our hearts and our heads connect with the truth of what Jesus has already done. And then the invitation he makes to us to journey with him in the same way. Let's pray. Jesus, it's no small thing to to talk about your crucifixion, your death and your resurrection. This is no small matter. But Lord, it is the most powerful thing, the most significant moment in history. And Lord, it's the thing that changed everything. And so Lord, as we talk about you today, would you come be present with us in our conversations? Lord, would you move amongst us? God, would you stir up something in our heads, in our hearts, and in our actions that starts to draw us into this journey where we walk with you, Lord, through the highs and lows, into all that you have for us. Open our eyes and our ears to hear you today. Amen. Well, all over the world, uh, Christians are preparing for Easter. 
There's a whole section of the church that fasts and prepares themselves for Easter. And, And this idea of just getting ready, of setting our hearts and our minds on something that's in front of us is really important because as we remember Easter, so much, so much is contained in the events of that first Easter. So much happened. It's so significant on so many levels. I mean, firstly, it's significant because it's the basis of our personal salvation. The only way it's possible to be in a relationship with Jesus is because of the cross. The only way that we can have a connection with him, to be reconciled to God the Father, is because what Jesus did in paying the debt of our sin on that cross. He settled our accounts. As Paul, who wrote a little while after Jesus' death and resurrection, as he wrote about this to the church in Rome, he said, because of this idea of believing in who Jesus is and what he's done, he says, but what does this word say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is this word of faith, this belief in Jesus that we proclaim. Because, this is why it's near your mouth and your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Something happened on that first Easter that changed how we can know God. And there's this invitation of trust and belief. But the first Easter is also the basis for all that we do as a community of believers. The church, the church is a result of what Jesus did on the cross. Actually, Easter is when God enacts this beautiful reconciliation between all of the world and himself. He actually makes a way for everyone to come back together and for us to be about the same thing. He includes us in his life-giving mission. Uh, Paul again writes uh, to a different church in Corinth. He says this in chapter two of, uh, chapter five of 2 Corinthians. From now on, he says, we regard no one according to the flesh, to the old ways of living. We once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We don't think of him any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That's good. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I can imagine the first readers going, I'm really not sure what that means, but that sounds exciting. But this is the key bit. All of this, this new creation, this this change of everything is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us this ministry of reconciliation. So he's invited us into something, and it says this is what that ministry is in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins, their trespasses, their brokenness against them, and then giving us and trusting us with this same message. This is why Easter is significant. This is what happens as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. It's also the basis for the in-breaking kingdom of God. For the power of God through the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives. For overcoming darkness and brokenness and evil and the devil. It all is because of the first Easter. John writes in his first letter, chapter 3, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, that's Jesus, was to destroy the works of the devil. This is what Easter entails, and so much more. Uh, Healing and deliverance and liberation comes because of the cross of what happened on that first Easter. And there's so much more. There's so much more that we can talk for hours. In fact, we'll do a Bible Streams podcast where we will talk literally for hours about this. 
about what happened on the cross, what Jesus' death and resurrection means for us and how it ties up every part of history. Easter, as it turns out, changes everything because it's the reminder both of our personal liberation and the power of salvation for the world that we live in. It's good news. So I think it's worth preparing for. If I think about it for us at River Life, Easter makes us family. Easter restores access so that we can embrace the Father, be about his presence. It gives us the reason to go into the world. It gives us the reason to be released. It gives us the good news to declare and the power to demonstrate it. That's, that's it. That's how it works. Easter is central to all we do. So, throughout history, the history of the church, churches used images and icons to help kind of shape and form our reflection and our devotion and our formation and our discipleship. And we thought, well, you know, we should be any different. Let's have a think about that. We've actually come up with these five images that will draw us into the journey of Easter. We've just selected five things that kind of map out the story and the, the way of the cross and what happened on those first Easter's. And so I just want to talk through them and in the next five weeks we're going to talk more deeply about each one of these things. Because they capture something of the mystery and the wonder and the excitement, but also the intense grief and suffering that comes at the time of Easter. So we start with the palm branch. Palm branch is, is connected to the traditional holiday of Palm Sunday, the, the, the Sunday before the Passover. The day when Jesus, in the gospel accounts, comes into Jerusalem, into the capital city of Israel. He comes in and his followers are pretty excited because they think this is the time he's going to take over. He's going to overthrow the occupying forces and it's really exciting. And so they start to quote the psalm saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is this Hebrew word for save us. The one who comes from the Lord is coming to save us. The palm branch reminds us that there's a celebration, but... There's also a subversion. That there's a power coming that will overthrow the powers of the world. That there's a different kingdom that comes underneath and below but actually displaces, it pushes away the powers of the world that can't save us. It's that inbreaking kingdom that Easter brings us. Then there's the, the image of the cross that central marker of the Christian faith, the icon above all icons. The empty cross that's worn by professing pilgrims around the world, by seeking searches, by just about every other person who wants to be up front and in front of people who has a cross around their neck. It's widely seen, but I wonder if it's really understood. What was a tool of a world power to bring domination and destruction became the mark of the freed people of God. A visual representation of the very worst of what humanity could do to itself. The absolute destruction and dehumanizing of an individual. 
becomes the beacon of hope and joy to those in darkness because God is just that good. And this is the beauty, and I hope you start to get drawn into the, the beautiful kind of constant playing of, on of words, the constant, actually puns. There's lots of puns in the Bible. <laughs> and you'll see a few more as we come up. They're like Jesus says in John chapter 12 that when the Son of Man is lifted up, he'll draw all people to himself. Everyone's thinking, yeah, he's going to be famous and up high, and he ends up up high on a cross. And then he becomes glorified. Like it's this beautiful wrestle, and the cross is just a, just a reminder of an invitation into the depth of all of that. Then there's the stone, the stone that covered the tomb. This is the one that really, really has impacted me as I've been just praying and, and reflecting on what the way of the cross is going to look like because the stone across the tomb marks something so powerful which we don't often lean into because we have the benefit of hindsight, we have the benefit of the resurrection of knowing that Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. We don't have to worry about that but there's this moment, there's this pausing of sadness, of loss, of intense grief that the first followers of Jesus would have felt in that moment. That there was a moment when all seemed lost, when it looked like the revolution had failed, when it looked like love had been conquered by sin and death and the powers of evil. I think the stone, as we, as we dig into this, is the reminder and the invitation that it wasn't a simple, small thing for Jesus to give up his life. Someone just like you and me went through all that pain and all that suffering and all that hurt in order that we might find hope. And Paul again writes about this in Romans chapter 8. Verse 16, he says, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. I'm like, yes, that's the best news that's come out of the cross. And if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Like, what? That's insane. just too much. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Whew. See, the stone is on the journey to the cross, the great leveler of all people, that all must die, that the way of the cross is denying of self, of laying oneself down, of actually giving up, of something precious for the benefit of others. The stone covered the tomb. There's the door. The door that reminds us that the tomb didn't stay sealed. That the stone wasn't there forever. That there was an empty tomb. And the door invites us into hope and wonder and mystery. What's happened? What's going on? We, we, we show up and it's like, he's not here anymore. Well, where's he gone? The empty tomb sparks the hope of resurrection, of life, of restoration, of hope. (gasps) Maybe, maybe there's something to this. Maybe God is doing more than we understand. Maybe all of that talk that Jesus had about eternal life in the kingdom, maybe that wasn't just something that's going to happen one day. Maybe that starts now. Maybe if the tomb's empty, 
That means that what he talked about, about raising people to life, about God making all things new, about bringing reconciliation between people, maybe that doesn't have to happen one day in the future. Maybe that starts now. See, the door, the empty tomb, is the door for the resurrection life to break into. And lastly, there's the risen son. The risen son. That Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, resurrection Sunday, the sun comes up. As the sun rises, the anointed one of God stands forth. And, and this is the most significant part, I think. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, I tell you, I delivered to you as of the first importance. This is the most important thing he can tell this church. It's what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared to many, to, to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12, then more than 500, most of whom are still alive. Paul writes, then he appeared to James, Jesus' brother, all the apostles, and lastly, to Paul. Jesus didn't stay there. Jesus raised the resurrection of life of Jesus is the life that we're all invited to. And, and this, I think, for me, encapsulates the power of walking in the way of the cross because we don't walk in the way of the cross with the lack of what's going to happen on the other side of the cross. We get to walk in the way of the cross now knowing that Jesus didn't stay dead. That as we journey through the scriptures, as we journey towards his heart in this, we don't have to wait for the end of the story to know what's going to happen. So we can see the words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, the life of Jesus poured out into his disciples, into the crowd, into the many. We can journey that way seeing, oh, that means something a whole lot more than those people who saw it the first time would have understood. When Jesus says wild and crazy things like, Oh, well, I'm just going to tell you, you have to go and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse lepers and cast out demons and preach to the kingdom of God. See, before Easter, the disciples are like, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> After Easter, oh, that's because he's with me. I can do the things that he did because he's with me, because he told me that even more than what he did, you and I can do. See, like any good story, when we look at the way of the cross, we now get to have a little glimpse of the end of the story. What's going to happen next? Well, we know where it's going to end, but as we take the journey to get there, we can look at it differently. We can start to wrestle with the promises and the challenges of Jesus on the way through. We don't have to worry about it not making sense yet because we have the, the benefit of hindsight. We can start with the end in mind, which gives the journey a whole lot more meaning. See, if Easter changed the way that those first disciples looked at the world, it should change the way that we look at the world. In fact, it must change the way that we live in the world. In fact, what wasn't possible before Easter is not now only possible, it's actually our instructions, it's our commission. So Jesus writes this after, or says this, and then Matthew wrote it down. 
Right at the end of Matthew's story, as he tells the story of Jesus, as he tries to to bring it to clarity and to the finishing, the ultimate point, the, the crescendo that Matthew's great gospel finishes with is this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Because we know the end of the story, when he says, observing all that I teach you. Wow, we can look at that now and see it in a whole different way. That's not something that I just need to remember. This is an instruction for living. This is how God calls us in to his mission in the world. See, the resurrection mattered from the moment Jesus appeared to the disciples because it made the way for us to be with him, to be alive in him and to be like him. The resurrection mattered because it didn't just deal with the brokenness, but it brought us into relationship. The resurrection is significant because we are called to be like him in this world. We are called to be just the same. We're called to be Jesus people about Jesus' things. He has the authority, so we go. Mark's version of the good news finishes with a really, really weird bit. But there's something that he says in that to just, oh, just, it just captures, I think, the heart of what Matthew 28, or what Matthew was trying to finish with. And, and he says, these signs will accompany those who believe. And Mark starts to lift, list off a whole bunch of things. Overcoming powers of darkness and and physical opposition about speaking in new tongues, about healing happening. Mark says these signs will accompany those who believe. See, it's not just information that the resurrection brings us, but it's a whole new way of living. Easter prepares us to know him, but to be like him and to go with him as he goes. So that's what we're going to do for the next five weeks. It's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. My question is, as we begin this journey in the way of the cross, as we journey towards Easter, I wondered, you know, Jesus went really intentionally to the cross. There's a moment in the Gospels where it says he he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. But he hasn't changed. He's still going. And I wonder who this moment, this Easter, this season, who is it that Jesus is going to that you know? Who is it that's in your life that Jesus is going to? I've been asking who that is in my life and he's, he's told me some people and then he surprised me with some others. But there's people that he's still going to. There's people that he's still speaking to, that he's drawing to himself, that he's knocking on their hearts and going, I'm here, I'm real, I want you to know me. Maybe you're here today because 
You know that there's something more and Jesus has been knocking on the door of your heart going, there's more to this than you realize. There's hope in this world. There's light in the darkness. There's maybe a reason why you're here today when you had not planned to be in a church or to be listening to this message or to be watching online. There's a lot of other things you can do on a Sunday, but maybe there's a reason that you're here today. Who is Jesus going to? Is he going to you? This Easter... Who of us is in need of his resurrection power in our lives? Who are the people that are around us that need that inbreaking kingdom, that power of God to set things right and to, to deal with the brokenness of this world? Who are the people in our lives? Because that's why the way of the cross is significant. He does it in us. He empowers us to do it with others to bring reconciliation so that we may all glorify Him. What I think is just such a beautiful gift is because the first Easter did happen, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for the 31st of March and Easter Sunday morning for the resurrection to make a difference in our lives. way of the cross for those who believe is already one filled with resurrection power. In fact, the resurrection power of Jesus is the only way we can walk in the way of the cross. Because Easter is where the power of God meets the brokenness of this world. And it makes all of the difference. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you and me in this season. For some of you, you might be searching, you might be looking, you might be trying to work out where is their hope, where is their resolution, where is their peace, where is their joy. For some of you, you might be going, I've got this and I know the people in my life who need it. Some of you might be going, I need those signs of the company, the ones who believe. The setting of things right, the healing of bodies and minds. pray for us and then I feel the Lord just wants to start to show us that the resurrection is true and real and it wants to make a difference in our lives today so would you, would you stand to your feet and um, you know the, Pastor Amy said at the start of the service, service the, uh, she read out of Acts chapter 2 and the beautiful picture of Acts chapter 2 for me is this Oh, it's the early church and they just did the things that they saw the Lord telling him to do and they're just all in together. And so I want to do this time of response, of prayer. It's just all in together and I don't know what the Lord's touching on your heart, but we can do all this together because that's just what happens when he's with us. So if you need him today, I want to pray for you that, you that you meet Jesus today. If you need his touch in your life because things aren't as they should be, then I pray that he's going to do that for you today. If you need him to show up for a friend or a loved one, I'm going to pray that he does that too. And then we're going to pray for one another. So would you bow your heads where you are? That's all right. And if you're willing, maybe put a hand on your heart or maybe a hand out in front of you just to, to show in our bodies a posture that demonstrates that we're willing to just interact with Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead. So Lord, as we will stand here today, 
as we hear these words, as wherever we are, Lord. Lord, we're not far off from you. You're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're constantly coming near to us. By your Holy Spirit today, Jesus, the one who came because of your resurrection, would you come and would you move in our lives right now? For those of us who have been seeking you, would you reveal the truth that you are real, that you are alive, that you care about us? Would you let your love flood into lives right now? Lord, would you convict our hearts with the names of the people that you love, that you're calling us to? Holy Spirit, would you come? Spirit of Jesus, would you come? And would you restore our bodies and our minds? God, for my life, and I hope that everyone listening would agree, Lord, I invite you to come in. Have your way. Do what only you can do, Jesus, the resurrected one. Give you permission today to have your way in my life. Would you help me to walk in the way of the cross today? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, Contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.